0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. In a series started this morning called Called and Chosen, tonight I want to speak to you on the title, if you want, of a basic toolkit for believers. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. And of course, if you're on Metro Church Online, it'll come up there in the notes section. Just click on the notes tab, it's all there for you. It says this For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The Bible says that we, the people of God, the followers of Christ, are a family of God that we are called and we are chosen to be in family. Let me tell you the three things that I know about family both from the one I was raised in, the one I'm a part of now, and from the church family that I'm a part of. I know this much that families, number one, are messy. Families are, they are messy places because of the uh, ability to be honest. Because it's the place where masks usually come down. And so people say what they think. They're messy. Second thing I know about families is that all families, including this one, have some dysfunction to them. Every family I know of has got something that needs to grow or to change. Third thing about families is this that I know is that they're hard work. That if you want to build a great family it will require a lot of intentional discipline and hard work to see it become a great family. And if you and I are going to see this family of God become everything God wants it to be, and if you and I are going to plug in and stay plugged in into the called and chosen bunch, then I believe that we're going to need some tools for this family because called and chosen does not mean perfect and it does not mean easy. This is my backyard toolkit, all right? Now I've got three sheds at home. There's all kinds of tools in there. Uh, I was doing something this afternoon. No screwdriver it was small enough to fit in the gap. So I happened to have a Torx Hex how a, a, a screwdriver set, some of you will know what that is. It's got a right angle driver in it. So I went and got that out and it fits in the right place. And I've got things that, that are in the tool shed that I'm not even sure I know what they're there for. So I don't go to the tool shed for all the time. Every time there's an issue, I keep this one in the backyard. Here's a pair of pliers. Screwdrivers, blade screwdrivers of various kinds. An electrical one. Everybody needs one of those insulated all the way down the shaft. And uh, another couple of blade ones here. Phillips head. You've got to have different sizes, different size screws. And so there's a bunch of them. Last but not least, here's a bit of electrical tape. Because you're always going to have to tape something up. And believe it or not, 90% of all the things I do in the backyard, I can get done with this little tool set occasionally, I've got to go and get something else out of the shed, maybe a saw, maybe a square, maybe something like that, a string line. But most of the time, I can do most of the jobs that are simple around the outside of the house with this little toolkit that only cost a few bucks. That's an old fishing tackle box I had. And I went and bought a cheap set of screwdrivers, put them in there, cheap set of pliers, bit of electrical tape, And I can do most things that are roundabout that need to get done. And tonight, using that metaphor, I want to give you just six basic tools for believers. There's just six things that I think you're going to use more often than anything else. I guarantee, no matter what your trade is, be you an electrician or be you a person who creates and manufactures and sells gigantic Uh, gantry cranes that sit in harbours around Australia or around the world. I know whichever way, there'll be a few tools that you use all the time and they're the ones that you need to get good at. There's a specialist tool occasionally that you might have to go and make use of but most of the time there's just a few basics and this is a basic message But it's a message that no matter how mature you are, how long you've been a Christian, I guarantee every one of these six I've used in the last week or two. I guarantee in the last couple of weeks, every one of these six tools, I will have used some of them multiple times because that's how common it is that I've got to go and reach for that. It's like a Phillips head screwdriver. You're always going to use it. Here we get into it. Basic toolkits for believers, number one, is forgiveness. A basic tool for every believer. Do you know that the Scripture tells us that there was only one thing that Jesus said was impossible? Only one thing that He came out and stated and declared was impossible and it's in Luke 17 and verse 1 that He said to the disciples, It is impossible but that no offences should come, but woe unto him or her through whom they do come. In other words, Jesus said, if you are breathing, you are going to get offences come your way. If you are a human being, if you're alive and kicking, then somewhere, somehow or other, someone's going to offend you. And I'm not talking here about the huge offences that, you know, really cut so deep. I'm talking about the small resentments. I'm talking about the things that you don't want to let go by because you've let them go before and now you are uh, ticked off about it and now you're going to, I said sorry last time, I'm not going to be the first to say sorry again. Well, I think that offences is something that are going to come and they're going to come fairly frequently. I've never discovered they come every five years, once a decade, once in a lifetime. For me, know about the rest of you here, It's about once a day usually. And I don't think I'm that bad or I'm that sensitive or easily offended. I just think you deal with a lot of people. There'll be people that disappoint you, let you down, say something they shouldn't say. And you know, you can either take offence or you can say I'm letting that go. I'm going to forgive that in Jesus' name. Now, here's the really, really good news. See this old Phillips head screwdriver? The reality is this Phillips head screwdriver does not require me to be in an emotional state of joy and happiness to use it. It does not require that I have been in a place of prayer, that I be in an elevated state of connectedness to God, that I be somewhere or other where I feel like the anointing of the Holy Spirit is just falling over my life in a dramatic way. The reality is it doesn't matter how I feel or who's done what, I can use the screwdriver. Can I tell you, if you hear nothing else, hear this one tonight about forgiveness in your life. Forgiveness doesn't require you to feel anything. Forgiveness does not require you to be connected to God and feel the Holy Spirit whispering. It's now. Forgive them now. You don't have to do that. Matter of fact, I would say this much to you. You know, when I was a kid, a screwdriver, well, you got to learn how to use it, not just in terms of being able to get the right one for the job, but making sure that you put enough pressure into the screw so you can turn it. That's the rookie mistake most people make. They don't put enough forward pressure into it so they can't get purchased and it can't turn. Well, in exactly the same way as you get good at it, don't you? I remember as a boy picking up a pair of pliers and the number of times I got a blood blister on my finger because I didn't hold them properly. Well, in exactly the same way. Do you know why some people can't forgive someone? It's because they've never practised it. It's because they've never got good at it. They have just, you know, kept on going, allowed resentment to build, never stopped and said, you know what, I choose to well, I don't feel like forgiving. Well, it's their fault. Well, I shouldn't have to put up with this. We live in a world right now where that kind of language is so prevalent. No wonder we live in a world where it's all about my rights and we've lost the the art, it's well, we've lost the habit of forgiveness in our world. Let me encourage you. Why don't you decide I'm going to get good at forgiveness? Amen. I'm going to get good at it. Because somewhere, somewhere, someone might hurt you so badly that the only option you'll have will be to forgive. There'll be no justice. There'll be no judgment. That'll be good enough, strong enough. There'll be no sorrow, no repentance from the other person great enough to take away. Listen to me. The only thing that can take away the pain of resentment is forgiveness. Come on, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. There is nothing else. No amount of mediation, no amount of refereeing, no amount of counseling, no amount of prayer will be enough. I could not say this strongly enough. And I'm saying that because we live in a world right now where, you know, it's kind of gone a bit nuts, in my opinion. And I want us to get good at forgiveness. That doesn't mean you become a Christian doorman. It doesn't mean that you don't address issues that need to be addressed. It does mean they say, you know what? One of the prime things in my Christian toolkit is forgiveness. And I'm going to get good at it. Amen. Give me a good amen. amen. Here's the second one. Second one. This is my list. You can have another one if you like, or you can add a couple of extra tools in There's space in the toolbox. Second one is faith and prayer. For me, that's been one of the most marvellous uh, tools to have in the Christian toolkit. I remember once sitting in my home and uh, a long, long time ago. I don't even remember what the problem was, but I'm sitting out there telling God about how bad it is and about why something ought to be like that and it shouldn't have happened. And I'm telling him about the size of the problem and how long it's been there. And I heard the whisper of the Holy Spirit say this to me out of the Scripture. Where is your faith? And I realised that my faith was in the problem. My faith was in how long it had been happening. My faith was in how difficult it was. My faith was in my inability to be able to overcome it Otherwise, I would have overcome it already. And I heard the Holy Spirit. I've never forgotten that. No wonder the disciples' first request to Jesus was not "Lord, teach us to preach." It was "Lord, teach us to pray." The Apostle James had learned it at the at the feet of Jesus, but that's why he wrote in James chapter four and verse two: "You don't have because you don't ask." There is something daunting about asking God for something ridiculous. You heard Mark pray and he didn't know what I was going to preach on, but he spoke up here a couple of minutes ago. Mark Patterson from Transform spoke about being audacious and asking God for something ridiculous. I know what it's like to come and say, "Oh God, but you know what if it doesn't work?" But you know what I've discovered? Faith only gets stronger if I use it, amen? Faith doesn't get stronger because you go to Bible college, necessarily go to Bible college, but you won't necessarily come out with stronger faith. You know how you get stronger faith? Find problems and use the power of faith and prayer to see the victory come into your life, in Jesus' name. That's how you do it, amen? Get good at it. If you want to get good at it, you've got to do a lot of it, amen? Come on, isn't that right? You've got to do a lot of it. Some people are no good at faith because they've left it in the cupboard. It's sat in the cupboard for so long and when they go and get it out of the cupboard, it's all rusty and it doesn't work anymore. I found a pair of 2nd tears, big tree-lopping ones down in the scrub, down in the woods, the forest, the bush as we call it in Australia. A couple of uh, months ago, laid in the wet grass and I don't know how long they'd been there, but they were rusty as all get out. They wouldn't have cut anything. But me being me, I took them home. There was no ownership tag on them. I thought they were free. So I took them home. And I got out some of my trusty WD-40 slash CRC oil and I sprayed it all over them and I gave them a bit of a go. And now they work just fine, thank you very much. And I'm going to use them this week to prune some of those pesky olive trees that have dropped olives everywhere to feed the crows. Every tool requires learning how to use it. Here's number three for me anyway, and that's acting in the opposite spirit. There's a lot of verses I could give you about this one, but I'll just give you one. Like, We could literally go to Matthew 5 and 6 and 7. uh, There's at least five times in there that I know where Jesus actually spells out what it looks like to act in the opposite spirit, but I'll give you this one. Proverbs 11 verse 24 in the message version of the Bible says this, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. But let me ask you a question. And I don't even have to go too far other than the restrictions we got today. And I had two texts from people from this church that have gone to the supermarket. And even though the only thing at the moment you've got to do is wear a mask, there is panic buying, and people are buying truckloads of toilet paper yet again. Why? Because the moment we get into some space of tightness, isn't it true, we start doing this? We want to keep. We don't want to give. We want to hold on. We want to retain. We want to batten down the hatches. And yet Jesus never lived a life like that. When somebody spoke bad against him and the disciples said, Master, do you want us to call down fire from heaven? Listen to what he says. You have no idea what spirit you're of. He said, let's just go to another village. Don't even answer that. He acted in the opposite spirit all the time. When there were 5,000 people that needed to be fed, he could have just multiplied the five loaves and two fish and got it exactly right. It wasn't like he overdid it on the power. But he wanted to prove something to everyone. That faced with lack and someone sowed the seed, look what God could do to multiply and to produce abundance. Why? Because God's got the opposite spirit. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. That's an old song. But that's God's mercy for your life. Think about it. God's prepared somewhere called heaven. And you know who He's taken there? Sinners. Think about it a minute. There is an eternity that awaits every follower of Christ no matter whether they have been purer than the driven snow and never knowingly done a a thing wrong or whether they've stumbled their way to the cross and stumbled their way after. And he will say, welcome home. I go to prepare a place for you. You know, he said that to Peter who was about to deny him. He said it to all the disciples who faced with his death on the cross, said, we're going fishing. We're going back to our old life. God acts in the opposite spirit. His mercy is in you every morning. Great is His faithfulness. It's the opposite of what most people think. Put that in your toolbox. I'm going to act in the opposite spirit. If everybody around about you is hopeless, be hopeful. If everybody around about you is complaining and criticizing, be an encourager. Amen. I was thinking about this this week because someone asked, someone anyway, they said, How come you're. Well, now I have to give it away, but anyway. Someone was asking how somebody who remained nameless was so full of life. And I thought about that and I thought, you know, it's because they practice it. Isn't that right? Act in the opposite spirit. Here's number four. Fourth thing for your toolbox is perseverance. Because a lot of important things in your life won't be quick. Anything you want to be successful or great will take time. Do you know how you build a great marriage? Every jolly day. That's how you do it. Do you know how you build a successful Christian life? Every day. So many people are waiting for a lightning bolt from God. They're waiting for Jesus to turn up and just, you know, beam me up, Scotty. Can I tell you how, you know how you build it just every day. Jesus, as was His custom, we're told in the book of Luke, Jesus, as was His custom, went up to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And that is one of the most amazing verses of the Bible, that Jesus, who was God, because John 1 says that He was. John 1 says that He was with God and was God. And so He that was God goes to the church to listen to them talk about the Father, that he's just left. And that he goes there and listens to them stumble their way through the Old Testament and try and bring lessons out of it that he says, I wrote that. My, my brother, the Holy Spirit, put that into, into print. What a remarkable thing. A lot of important things in your life won't be quick. Have you ever wondered why Psalm 23 verse 4 says, yea, though I walk, through the valley of the shadow of death? Can't tell you why God wrote walk there? Because everybody here, if you get in the valley of the shadow of death, you don't want to walk at all. Do you? Don't you want to get out of there as fast as you can? Amen, I do. Do you know why God wrote walk there? It's because it's the slowest gate for an adult. It's the slowest gate for an adult. For a child, it would be Crawling. And that's slower still. But every other gait for an adult, we jog or we sprint. Walking is the slowest. And God wanted us to understand something. When you get in a difficult place, don't find the quickest way out. Find the best way out. Are you with me? Don't find the quickest way out. Find the best way out. Amen. Here's number five. Just going quickly. I've only got six. Here's number five. Fifth tool uh, for your Christian basic toolkit is healthy relationships. Almost everything in your world that matters will be improved or diminished by your connections in life, without a doubt. One of the things I'm most grateful for is the people I have healthy relationship with. I'm grateful to God for my wife. And I don't just say that because she's sitting here. I say that because I know there's no way I'd be where I am if I didn't have a partner. That's why, listen, if you're single, don't look to get married. Look to find someone who will be a partner for your destiny in God. Amen. Don't listen. I'd rather have lived the rest of my life without someone than to have got someone who kept saying, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. that's too much. That's too hard. That's too much. Amen. Then I thank God for all the people in this church. And I mean this. I, I walk around this church sometimes around the building or I see people. You ask the staff, I'm forever going. They are amazing. What an incredible person. I thank God for every single one of you. Faithful. Hello. And we aren't perfect. We've got the dysfunction I spoke about at the start. But, you know, together we can see God do something remarkable if we'll stay connected in our life. That's why with Metro Church Online, I know some people think, well, you know, you're just trying to gather the online audience. I said to someone this week, have you noticed I've never talked about the numbers of people online? I don't think I've ever mentioned in public. I said, because they're irrelevant in the sense that we don't live off those numbers. What we're doing is saying we want to see Metro Church. There'll be people that can meet in the building and there'll be people that never can. And you know what? We're all going to be Metro Church, just the same. And we're going to build those kind of healthy relationships so that if you could do it, if you were physically here, we're trying to find ways so you can do it, even if you can't be here. Amen? That's why stuff like the chat and the prayer requests one on one, because if we brought you forward in physical church to pray for you, we wouldn't say, Tell everyone in the microphone what your problem is. <laughs> We'd lean in close and you'd whisper to us what you needed prayer for. So we just recreated that at Metro Church Online. Same, side. same, same, Almost everything in your world that matters. You need good connections for it. Here's the sixth one, the last one. Here's the, here's the only one I think of the sixth that everyone would go, could have known that one was coming. It's love. First Corinthians 13, verse 13 says, And now abides faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of even the three, greater than faith, greater than hope, is love. But you've got to understand the context that in Scripture, love is not, you know, some crooner strung their guitar on a moonlit night while the love of their life or the one they want to be the love of their life is sit there and, you know, they're starting to croon out a beautiful song about blue moon or some other thing like that. Do you know that the number one subject of songs through history is love? More than anything else, it's love. And we are so used to love as a word, but we've forgotten that to God, love was never a word. For God so loved the world that He gave. Because you know what? God loved the world when the world didn't love God back. That's a fact. And God loved the world by doing something. And so I learned out of that simple verse in John three sixteen that love's got two things to it. Number one, it's an initiative. If you are going to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to get good at love. You've got to be able to pick the tool out of the toolbox and say, This is a moment where I'm going to love. I don't feel like it. I don't have an anointing for it. Oh God, give me the gift of love. There isn't one. It's called a fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is what? Love. First one off the first one on the list. Love, joy, peace. Do you know why it's a fruit, not a gift? Because if it was a gift, we all sit back and go, don't have the gift. <laughs> yeah, I'd love you, but God hasn't given it to me, so I'm just going to hate your guts. Because <laughs> God hasn't given it to me. And instead of that, I don't have an excuse. God says, start growing fruit, boy. I've got an ornamental pear tree in the front yard of our house. You know that thing? It's got lots of leaves. Well, it dead. It's winter here now, so there hasn't got many but it's never going to bear fruit. And I've got to be honest with you, when Rhonda said, let's put this thing here, I'm going, why would you want a tree that's never going to bear fruit? But let's put a pear tree there. God doesn't intend to have any Christians that are decorative. Amen. There are no ornamental believers. What's your job in the body of Christ? I'm here to make you look good. Amen. I'm just I'm just a Christian that God's using for decoration in the body of Christ. Amen. <laughs> Amen. The only kind he's interested in is one that bear fruit. Amen. Well listen, I pray that those six things, can I just ask you, would you this week just pick out one of the six or the two or three that you know you are clumsy at right now? You know the last time you did it you burned the thread on that screw, you never got it right, would you take a couple of these this week and say, I am going to get good at that. Just go around, you know, forgiving everyone, even if they haven't wronged you yet. They will, trust me, just wait a little while. (laughs) Go forgive a few. Develop perseverance, even if it's only in the traffic or putting your mask on. Amen. Practice love this week. You'll have no trouble finding plenty of opportunity for that one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Holy Spirit, I've got no doubt that every one of these and others beside are things that you're going to help us to use. And Lord, I know that you are not trying to complicate it. There's so many simple things that we'll use so much. Would You help us to grow them, Lord? I pray, God, You'll help every one of us to grow things like forgiveness, faith and prayer, acting in the opposite spirit, perseverance, healthy relationships and love for our life. Thank You for that in Jesus' Name. Now, Lord, I pray for people that are a part of this service. Lord, I pray not only for the ones that are a part of it live, but those, Lord, that during the week will go onto to Facebook or they're going on to YouTube. They go onto the website and they'll be a part of the service because it's a different time where they are. Some of them are going to need to say yes to you. Some of them are backslidden, Lord. They used to walk with you and they lost their way. And tonight you want to say to them, Come home. Come on, there's forgiveness for you. God's not holy. Listen, every tool in the toolbox, God is the paragon, the great example of that. When it comes to forgiveness, Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. I tell you, every single one of these, you'll look out and say, Jesus, you're the best there ever was. Lord, I pray for those people, some of them, Lord, that have grown up in a religion, that had no life to it, and they hear this and are part of this, and they go, oh God, I want that. I want what those people have. Thank you, Lord, for their yes tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you want to say yes to Jesus right now on your Metro Church Online uh, platform there, it's coming up with the prompt. You can just simply click on that Yes button. It's as simple as that. I think about how simple it is sometimes because I think about the people Jesus called. He goes to Matthew the tax collector. He's there going about his daily business, just says, come follow me, and Jesus walks off. He doesn't say, by the way, here's the manual you've got to learn. Matthew gets up and leaves everything, goes and follows him. Peter and James, John, they're fishing. He says, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And he doesn't say, but first of all, can you do this introductory course? We have made it so difficult when Jesus makes it so simple. Just say yes to Christ, would you? If you're in Australia, you can do it at 488 392 Or you can get the same help, which would be a Bible verse every day, a prayer every day different for 30 days, free from us to you. you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au or you can be on that Metro Church online platform there and just simply give your yes. We'd love to be a part of seeing you grow in Christ in Jesus' name. Father, help those people. Thank you for the ones who said yes to you this morning, the ones who said yes to you during this week, the ones who said yes last Sunday, the ones that have been saying yes week by week by week by week by week. Thank you, Lord, for each one of them. One day, Lord, we'll stand before you and someone will come up to us. and say, I gave yes online to Jesus and that's why I'm here. Lord, we'll look back and we'll go, that was worth the effort, the work, the sacrifice, the giving to make it possible. Thank you for that, Lord. Amen. Amen.